Good morning, greetings in the precious name of, of Jesus. After sitting in minister's study week this past week, and under the teaching of Tim Myers on how to preach, I feel as though I'm walking on eggshells. Because I have other ministers who are listening to see if I say and do everything right. And I trust you haven't come here to, to just hear me. but to hear the words of Scripture. And to be challenged in, in your walk. If I told you that there was... there had been an accident in, in Phoenix, Arizona... Yesterday, and two people were killed. How would it make you feel? It might make you feel sad. But if you or I didn't know these people, we realize accidents do happen. And they, it doesn't affect us a whole lot other than, yeah, it's, it's sad. Now let's say right before you left for church this morning, someone called to let you know that Josh was taken to the hospital with serious life-threatening problems and that it looked to be that his days were numbered upon the earth. How would that make you feel? It would bring a, a lump into our throats. And we wouldn't have anything to say for a while. That happened at Minister Study Week. when we heard about Keith. Some time ago, I was coming home from work. I was working in the northern part of Virginia. And I was coming down Interstate 81. And I was coming up upon the, the Edinburgh exit and there was two cars ahead of me and the, the second car ahead of me I noticed was pulling over into the, the passing lane and I wondered why. There was no one in front of them. Well, they didn't stop 
going into the left lane. They continued going on over. And they went over to the shoulder of the road, and they continued to go. And they went down into the ditch. And beside the ditch, there was a, a large bank. And on the other side of the ditch, there was a guardrail that led up to the abutment of the bridge. And this car went down between the two, went down over an embankment and down through the, to the road that was under the overpass. I never saw the brake lights come on, don't know what happened. But that was someone's son. That was someone's daughter. That was someone's, possibly someone's husband. Possibly someone's wife. I don't know. Looked like it could have been medically related. It looked pretty wild, but it could have been a lot worse. You may turn with me to a familiar, familiar account in Genesis chapter 43. planning to share this message here this week and when things turned Friday I wondered if I had chose the right thing take this passage and preach on the subject of swimming in a sea of emotions. <clears throat> emotions are something that we, we deal with every day. They are powerful, and they can control our lives. Now, emotions or, or feelings are, are not bad in and of themselves. But we must always remember that our emotions arise from, from our minds and, and our souls. And since, since we are fallen creatures, our emotions have been affected too. And that means that not <clears throat> everything we, we feel is, is right or proper. We must learn to, to check our emotions against the Word of God to ensure that we are not led astray by our feelings. And this happens far too often in, in people's lives. Families and, and churches have 
have been ripped apart because people allowed emotions like anger, bitterness, and resentment to control them. Of course, God works on our emotions too. He uses the natural response we have to the events of life to to teach us about Him, about what we, about what His His will and and what He is doing in our lives. I'd like to begin reading at at verse fifteen. Genesis chapter 43, verse 15, And the men took that present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up, and went down to Egypt, and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home, and slay, and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid, because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food, and it came to pass when we came to the inn that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight, and we have brought it again in our hand. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father have given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money, and he brought Simeon unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph. And they made ready the present against Joseph, came at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom ye spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste. For his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face and went out. And refrained himself and said, Set on bread. And they set on him 
set on for him by himself and for them by themselves and for the Egyptians which to eat with him by themselves because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him, but Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. This passage opens up with ten of Joseph's brothers leaving Canaan to, to make a second trip down to Egypt to buy grain. The first time they went, they came face to face with the prime minister of their country. But they didn't know he was their, their brother. The one they had sold into slavery 20 years before. They may not have, have recognized Joseph, but he knew exactly who they were. And he used their meeting to try to get them to, to understand the guilt of their past. Joseph had imprisoned his brother Simeon and had sent the others home. And he told them not to return unless they brought their youngest brother with them. And so they headed back home. And along the way, they discovered the, the money that they had paid for their grain. It had been returned to them in their sacks of grain. And this, this caused them to be even more afraid. Well, they make it home. And as time went on, they, they used up all the grain. And they headed back to Egypt again. And verse 15 tells us they took Joseph a present. Double the original money. And this time, they had Benjamin. They are ushered into to Joseph's presence and when he sees that Benjamin is with them, he invites them into his house for lunch. These verses describe a scene that is, that is filled with emotions. There was, there was fear. There was relief. There was, there was gratitude and joy all mingled together in this reunion between Joseph and his brothers. I want to break this into three sections for us to consider here this morning. Number one, the brothers and their fears. Number two, Joseph and his feelings. And number three, the family and their feast. 
In verses 18 to 24, the brothers and their fears. When these men are brought into Joseph's house, they become afraid. This word means to be filled with dread. They are convinced that they have been led into a trap. At the end of verse 18, it says, and take us for bondmen. They are sure Joseph is going to arrest them and put them into prison. And they even express their fears to, to the steward of, of Joseph's house in, in verses 19 to 22. But he comforts them the best he can, even telling them that God was, was looking out for them, and all their troubles. And then in verse 23, he brings out Simeon to them. And then he gives them water to wash their feet. A sign of great respect. He also gave them food for, for their animals. A sign of hospitality. And so with, with their hearts pounding in fear, they try to prepare themselves for the arrival of, of Joseph for the noon meal. There are two emotions at work in the lives of these men. They are afraid. And they are being eaten alive with guilt. And I'd like to examine both of these emotions. First, let's talk about fear. Fear is a terrible emotion. It's, it's paralyzing in the effect it has on our lives. Fear renders us incapable of, of trusting the Lord and looking to Him for the help we need in life. Look at this scene. Here are 11 men who have been brought up to know God, the only true and living God, and yet they are so overcome by the emotion of fear that they are unable to see how God was working in their life. And they have to be reminded of God's grace, His sovereignty and His purposes by an Egyptian pagan. Haven't we all been there, Tom? Life comes at us with all its problems and its tragedies. And when it does, we become filled with, with fear and dread. Instead of faith in God... We are gripped with worry and dread. Someone has, has calculated that there are over 365 statements in the Bible calling us to put aside our fears and to trust in the Lord 
that's one for every day of the year and, and more than enough to cause us to, to trust in him. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. Here is, is his command to the people. Chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's promised to hear us when we pray. In Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's promised to sustain us. In Psalm 55, 27, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He's promised to meet our every need. May not get everything we want, but he'll see to our needs. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Beginning at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take the thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth, that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the mar, for the mar shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. How many of you believe verse 32? where it says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth 
that ye have need of all these things. The Father knows. Knows what we need. And He supplies it. I've witnessed that in my own family. And so with, with promises like that, why would anyone want to fret or fear? Don't allow fear to, to dominate your life. Learn to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. If you live in fear, you will never have peace in your life. If you can learn to trust the Lord in all of life, You'll never have anything to fear. The real reason these men are so overcome by fear is the fact that they are filled with guilt. These men know they have wronged their brother. They lied and they are convinced that that God is out to get them. And in a sense, they are right. The Lord's using the events in their lives to bring them face to face with with their past sins. He is awakening in them a sense of guilt. And this guilt is about to eat them alive. They are convinced that they are being punished for for all the evil they have done. Guilt can be a healthy emotion. The Lord uses it to awaken us to our sinful condition and to show us our need of Jesus. He causes us to, to feel guilty for our sins and that guilt before God is used by him to to draw us to Jesus and to his salvation that is that is good guilt the negative side of guilt is when we continue to to feel bad over sins that God has already forgiven in the old testament the Jews had an offering called the burnt offering there in, in Leviticus chapter 1. A man would, would bring his sacrifice to the tabernacle, place his hands on the animal's head, and, and kill the animal. The animal was taking the place of the sinner. The sinner's guilt was, was transferred to the animal, and the sinner was cleansed of his guilt. This is what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross to to die for us. 
2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was, he was judged in our place, and we are forgiven when we, when we trust him by faith. John 1, 29 says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When the, when the Lord saves us, he takes our sins away. Next, we want to look at Joseph and, and his feelings. In verses 25 to 30, Now Joseph enters the scene. His brothers bow down before him and give him the gifts they have, have brought from Canaan. And then in verse 27, he immediately asks them about about their father Jacob. And his brothers tell him that their father is doing well. And then in verse 29, he looks at Benjamin, the, the only full brother he has, and he pronounces a blessing on him. And then in verse 30, Joseph is overcome with emotion. He leaves his brothers standing there while he while he makes a hasty retreat to his private chamber. And there he gives way to all the emotions that are, are raging within his heart and might. And he, and he breaks down and he weeps. And I'm not sure what to, what to call this emotion, but there are times when a person is, is overwhelmed by the events of life. Sometimes fear, sometimes anger, sometimes joy, and all the other emotions we humans feel can, can pile up in our hearts until, until we can hold them no more and there, there must be an outlet. And there are times when folks just come to a place where they break down. Has that ever happened to you? If it has, you're in good company. Some of the most choice of God's servants went through times of deep emotional distress it's not new. It didn't just start happening in 2020. Remember what David said when his beloved Absalom was killed? He went up to the chamber and he wept. And he kept saying, My son, my son, my son, Absalom. Remember Job when he had lost everything from his children to his possessions to his health? 
In Job 3.11, he asked the question, why did I not just give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Moses, when he was overwhelmed with all that he had to do, he said, I'm not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. Contrary to what you might have been taught, there's no shame in being overwhelmed by your circumstances. When a loved one is taken by death, when disease rears its ugly head, when your family is ripped apart, when your heart is broken, it's easy to be overwhelmed and overcome. I realize we sometimes bring on our own problems on ourselves. Sometimes that's due to a lack of rest. But I praise the Lord that He understands. He understands our, our times of, of weeping and brokenness. He had such a time of his own. When he was in agony, he prayed. How did he pray? It says in Luke twenty-two forty-four, he prayed more earnestly. The people who know you might not understand. But the Lord does. People may not understand or acknowledge your pain, but God will not rebuke you. He didn't rebuke those other great men we just looked at. People may tell you to snap out of it or just get over it. But the Lord will stand by you and comfort you. He will help you get through it. The Lord can, can take it when we fall apart. He can can't handle it when all the pain and emotion in our hearts burst and we have a breakdown. 
He can handle anything you feel. He can handle anything you might need to say to him. Be honest and open before him. And he can help you in those times of overwhelming emotions. Take Moses, for instance, when he had his little episode in Numbers 11. He said some pretty hard things to God. Did God get angry with Moses? Did God zap him with a lightning bolt? No. God helped him by taking some of the pressure off. Let me remind you that God cares about the things you and I face in this life. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. It is never okay to to wallow in self-pity. Sometimes life hurts. And when it does, we have a God who understands and one who cares about his children. Moving on to verses 31 to 34. The family and their feast. When Joseph comes back, he has gotten his emotions together. And he commands the servants to to serve the meal. He is seated by himself because he is the ruler. The Egyptians are seated at another table because their religion forbade them from eating with shepherds. When the brothers of Joseph were seated for their meal, they noticed that they were seated in their birth orders from the oldest to the youngest. And Scripture says this amazed them. And this should have been a clue to to Joseph's identity. No one else would have known the order of their births. And so there they sit with Joseph and their, their meal is served. And Joseph even sent them food from his table. And when he did, he sent five times as much to his full brother Benjamin. And this should have been another clue. And so this chapter ends with with all the brothers, Jacob's twelve sons, eating a meal together and being merry. They are all experiencing the emotion of joy. And I suppose that joy is is the favorite emotion we humans share. We all like to be happy. We all love that feeling of contentment and joy when we get when, when everything in life is, is just like it ought to be. That's a good feeling. In fact, God teaches us that happiness and joy are actually very healthy emotions. In Proverbs 17, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. 
Laughter is good for the soul. Laughter is good for the face as well. Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. In fact, the Bible tells us that people who have a merry heart live in a continual party atmosphere. Proverbs 15, 15 says, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Remember Paul and Silas in, in, in that prison? What did they do? They praised the Lord and sang in that dungeon. Paul was just living out what he had preached there in Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. There's nothing wrong with being a happy person. If you aren't happy and enjoying the Lord as you walk through this life, you ought to get before the Lord and ask Him to help you have His joy. Some people have this idea that to be happy, you have to be miserable. And if you are smiling, laughing, and having a good time, then you're not serious about the things of God. And there's a Greek word for that, <clears throat> for that attitude that I want to share with you. And that Greek word is hogwash. <laughs> the truly spiritual person is a person who is happy and rejoicing in what he has in the Lord. Now, let's not miss this. Here these men are with Joseph and they are sitting at this table and they are feasting. They paint a powerful picture of the great grace of God. These men were guilty. No one would have, would have blamed Joseph if he had thrown them all into prison or even enslaved them. But Joseph forgives them. And he welcomes them into his home. He invites them to eat with him at his table. And he shares with them the very best that he had. That is a picture of what the Lord Jesus did for us. We were guilty and worthy of, of judgment. We deserve far worse than prison or slavery. We deserve death and hell. But He loved us in spite of our condition. He saved us from our sins. He brought us into His family.
He feeds us with the best things from His table. He's even preparing a place for us in heaven. He's taken away our guilt and replaced it with peace. He has given us His Spirit. He has filled us with the capacity for genuine joy in the Lord. Praise His name. Am I happy? Do I have joy? If I don't, it's my own fault. I have been given every ingredient needed for true happiness, for true joy, and true rejoicing. Yes, we humans are, are emotional creatures. If we're not careful, our emotions will, will control our lives and our actions. We need to bring even our emotions under the control of the Lord God. couple of questions I'd like to leave you with. Do you need to deal with your guilt? Do you have fear in your life? Are you overwhelmed by the circumstances of life? Do you lack joy? Do you need to praise Him for His grace in your life. Friends, Jesus is the answer. I'd like to close by sharing the words of that song that was penned by Andrea Crouch, Jesus is the answer. If you have some questions in the corners of your mind, traces of discouragement and peace you cannot find, reflections of your past seem to face you every day, but this one thing I do know, Jesus is the way. Verse 2, I know you've got mountains that you think you cannot climb. I know your skies are dark. You think the sun won't shine. In case you don't know, but the word of God is true, and everything he's promised he will do for you. And in the course, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. And it repeats that. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Shall we have a song? Under his wings, I'm safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are